up, everyone. To the CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, April the 12th. We're going to talk some uh, spring football ahead of, uh, obviously, UVA spring game in a couple weekends. Uh, should be an interesting um, situation because we we're still not really sure what uh, Coach Mendenhall is going to do in terms of format, in terms of if it's going to be a true game or any of that, any of that stuff. So we'll get into some of that. Uh, we have a special guest on the show tonight. So before we, uh, we dive into some topics, let me go around and introduce everybody. Um, let's start out in, uh, in Waynesboro. David Spence is back on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Brad. David Spence, Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show as well. Justin, welcome back. Yes, sir. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banner. We have with us tonight the ball hawk himself. Uh, you know him. You love him. Uh, he's obviously a former player uh, who who has one of the more memorable plays in Virginia football history. Um, I, I'm 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 giving just folks a chance to kind of geek out a little bit because uh, I know Ballhawk they they all love you. Mod Hawkins, welcome to the Cavs Corner dot Cavs Corner dot com podcast, sir. What's going on, fellas? Not too much, man. Appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, you know, I thought um, coming out of the weekend, the alumni event. Um, you know, it's it's. It, it, it's so easy to be cynical in this world, right, in, in these days. But I just thought it was a really cool gesture by Coach Mendenhall and his staff to bring back uh, so many alumni, um, to bring, you know, I guess a couple hundred um, players from, you know, decades upon decades of, of Virginia football. Um, and it's funny, I was listening to your, to your podcast the other night, I guess it was last night, and you were talking about how for a lot of former players, maybe not necessarily you because you're kind of involved and you still live in the area, but for a lot of former players, they never really got the feeling like they were welcomed. And one of the things I think that's really smart that Coach Mendenhall has done is he obviously that he's he's that 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 thing is blown out of the water. I mean, look, anybody who wants to come back, they're going to welcome you with open arms. How I guess I want to start here, Ahmad. Talk to me a little bit about how different that vibe is among uh, among your teammates and, and former players that you know. Um, even before we get to, you know, the whole running through the wall thing, how <laughs> this from an alumni standpoint, um, how 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 I don't know, refreshing is it for you guys to be welcomed back like that? That's a great feeling. I mean, any human wants to be be welcomed, whether it's your brother, your sister, your loved one, or just somebody just welcome you to their house. Um, as an alum, when you come to games, you want to feel like that you're loved and that you're respected and that you can basically gain access because you were a part of that foundation that laid the groundwork down for the next generation to step in and take it to the next level. And a lot of my old teammates felt like they couldn't get access. They couldn't get on the field. They were getting turned away. And it was tough for me because I was stuck in the middle. Here here I am, a guy that uh, took and took the media route and, and get, have credentials to be able to go on the sideline and the press box and go in the locker room. And when I tried to tell my teammates just to talk to certain administrators, uh, they get they get turned away, right. and you know it's it's a hard spot for me because I wanted to defend my brothers, but also I know I got a job to do, and right. it's not really my place to really step in there. So, right. um, Coach Mendenhall, it was discussed to him that that was a big concern, and he kicked the door down. He opened it wide open for all of us, and the guys are loving it. 
That's cool, man. Uh, do you have? I, I guess I always had. I guess I always thought maybe because you know Coach London was somebody who was a former you know defensive coordinator beforehand before he became head coach. I guess I always got the feeling he, that that family was always you know really important. And, and I'm not trying to you know throw shade or anything. I, I, I it just it just struck me the the like you said the the reaction to have such a positive. Uh, vibe from the from the alumni and, and for that to be a difference I guess was was was, was kind of shocking to me to be quite honest to see you know like you said former you know former players that felt like you know they were kind of getting the cold shoulder from the program um, could you kind of sense among them though uh, it sounded like from your podcast you really you know that coach Mendenhall really made an impression uh, on 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 those guys what was talk to me a little bit about what that was like and and how the the former players really responded to him and his staff oh uh, when we first met him, when he had the, the press conference at John Paul Jones Arena, he actually pulled a lot of us to the back room, a kitchen area, and kind of spoke with maybe 10 of us one-on-one individually before he spoke to us as a group and guys expressed what was going on as far as kind of getting turned away. And he was like, the biggest, the first thing I want to do is bridge the gap. I want to bring the old with the new. And um, he seeked out Coach Welsh, which that won me over because Coach Welsh is a guy – it's dead in my heart. Right. And, um, of course, your guard is up because you're just thinking this guy's a used car salesman. He just wants to get, want us to get on board because right. we all right. thought highly of Mike. Right. And to speak about Mike, Mike wanted guys around, but he was losing. There's so true. much you can do when you're losing. That's true. Here, this guy's coming in 11 straight bowl games. Um, you can't say no to him because we've been losing. So if I'm a min- part of the administrator and the hiring process, if this guy says, I want a llama part of this of this you know, of our program, you can't say no. Right. Because if you want to turn around, you basically got to give him the key. So right. um, it was a great feeling, man. He's a genuine guy, and I really respect what he's doing. You uh, you got a chance to watch more practice than I have, um, which I, I, I've said this in multiple places. I have no problem with, uh, with, you know, with the with the fact that they're doing a lot of their work behind closed doors, though. They will have yeah. a practice um, on Thursday for, for media to attend. So that'll be that'll be an interesting opportunity for a lot of people, I think, to – to, to not only see what's going on, but also be able to report on it and kind of talk a little bit more about it. But uh, from your point of view, having been able to kind of see a little bit, uh, has there been anything that surprised you other than just watching these dudes take the field and how different, you know, I mean, just in the videos that, that Virginia Sports has put out, I mean, you can just tell that it's a considerable difference, um, you know, uh, between this b- between maybe this spring and last spring, and just the the vibe yeah. of the team and the way that the energy level is. But what's been, what's really kind of caught your attention, or, or maybe maybe even surprised you a little bit? Um, how few it practices and how unified the coaching staff is. Um, without really throwing shade on um, the the previous regime, it just seemed like it was a lot of me guys out there just trying right. to make sure that they're doing their job and not really making sure the team collectively is getting better. Um, but it's, it's refreshing to see the guys competing. Um, it's refreshing to see the guys not complaining because in this era, a lot of these kids, everybody feel like these kids are spoon fed social media area, they're spoiled and he's taking it back old school. And these kids bought in from day one. It wasn't any griping, any moaning, any complaining. Um, to see a guy like Andrew Brown being praised and being in shape. Um, that's what we all been waiting for for the past two seasons going on third season now. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been you know, pleasantly surprised just seeing AB out there getting reps and looking like a five-star recruit. You know, I always wondered about that. I always wondered if if Tenuta was was trying to like teach him a lesson. But then you would mm-hmm. get to game days, and I mean, I mean, look, Drew 
you know, he did the boxing thing last year. I mean, he was as I mean, I'd covered the kid for three, four years at that point. I mean, he was as he was as chiseled as I'd ever seen him. And then he yep. couldn't get on the field. And I, 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 I always wondered, like, look, if you, you, you have a kid like that, how can you not find some kind of role for him, especially considering some of the you know issues that they had depth wise? Um, so it, it is it is refreshing to kind of see coach uh, finding a way to, to use. Um, his best players. That that part was was impressive to me too. When when he was asked last week to kind of talk to talk to us about you know who who was standing out and and he, he mentioned some names that you would expect like like Quinn or or whoever. But then he you know he he also mentioned some other guys. Uh, has there been has there been other players maybe that you didn't expect to see really balling out that have, that have impressed you? Because I know um, you mentioned Donnie Dowling being a being a guy who yes. runs great routes. He's a kid. I remember the first practice he came to. Uh, in in fall camp, he the way he just ran out and took his spot, I was like, "Yep, he's gonna play." You can just, you know, <laughs> yeah. he just looks like that. But what what have you? I guess let me ask that question more broadly. Who are some guys that that have maybe ca- caught your attention who maybe you didn't expect to see anything out there from this early uh, in spring? Uh, Tim Harris really jumped out at me. Tim Harris is a kid has a lot of. It's amazing what you can do when fans. you can play press coverage. Sorry, yeah, I, a, I just had to get that. Yeah, out. It's amazing what, that out. What, what happens when a coach is that face of your strength. <laughs> Um, Tim Harris was a guy who was asked to be a technique corner, a guy that no matter what, stay inside shade. If the receiver's diving you in to the, to the near hash, you, usually you're taught to let him go head up so you can play the corner route because there's a lot of field. But uh, I've been told they were taught to stay inside. So you saw a lot of times he was getting beat on double moves because he was doing what he was taught. And, he, right. and to his credit, he never threw anybody on the bus. But this, this coaching staff charts. Uh, the percentage of catches on you in practice, whether it's one-on-one, seven-on-seven, or team, he has the lowest percent. And I talked to T.J. Thorpe, and he said he always hated going against Tim Harris because he's so long and strong. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, even though Mo Kennedy got all the praise, he felt like Tim had a lot of upside and a lot of ability, but the scheme didn't fit him. Right. So I was happy to see him playing at a high level. I always thought highly of him, and I used to criticize him heavily, and he always took in the stride when we talked, and he appreciated because it – it made him want to work hard and and earn the respect from everybody. Yeah, you have a guy with that much size and and that much athleticism. You should be able to figure out a way to use him. And I, I think you're right. I think even teams are scheming for that. They knew. You yeah. know, look, this ain't their first rodeo. You know, <laughs> offensive coordinators. They see. They go. They watch film. You know, they saw. All right. So the, so this is what he's going to give us every time. And they basically yeah. they did what they had to do to use the kid's weakness against him. And the one thing I will say. That I, that I like that from something that Bronco has said is that he is he believes that a teach that a teacher teaches best when they when they're able to figure out what they can do with what they have, and mm-hmm. I thought one of the problems that 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 Coach London's staff had almost across the board was that inability to like adapt. They were going to take that square peg and push it into that round hole. It didn't matter if they didn't have a running game that matched a power running attack. It didn't matter yep. if they had a defense that didn't necessarily fit. Um, Everybody blitz. We, we're going to be fine. They they did it constantly. And you know what's the old adage about the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and, again and, and expecting the same different result, different result yeah. right? That's what they <laughs> did, and 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 it was frustrating. But then you watch these guys go out and like, okay, here's a, here's a staff that if they needed a a, a a dual threat, if they had a dual threat quarterback, cool, we can run that. If they have a pocket passer, cool, we can run that. That this that simple idea blows you know blows my mind having covered this program for the last few years. So I'm interested to see a coaching staff that on game day can make adjustments based on what they're seeing uh, and based on matchups. I mean, actually playing the kids' strengths. 
Um, and I, I guess that's one thing that I'm looking forward to as we go toward the spring game is not just who's getting what reps, because I think a lot of times, you know, when we're in spring ball, that's really the, your biggest takeaway. Who's doing what and how much are they doing of it? You know, yeah. you, you see, like, I saw this clip on Instagram the other day of, of Mizell against, <laughs> oh, man, and it was just absolutely absurd. Um, <laughs> just some of the stuff, I mean, just, you know, what happens when, when, a, when, when a scheme understands how to put a kid like him in space and, and yeah. allow him to work. But um, that, that stuff is great. But the bigger thing to me is, you know, when you, when you can see, okay, uh, Drew's, Drew's going to be your defensive end. Dante's going to be your nose tackle. Eli Hamback is going to be your other defensive end, which I mean, dude, you could have you could have let me uh, <laughs> you could have let me like uh, guess until the cows came home. I don't think I would have had him uh, as your stalwart no, a defensive end. And then to hear Ruff in that Jeff White piece talking about him just kind of blew me away. Um, so to me, I, there's there's a lot I want to see. Uh, Dave, let's go over to you, man. What what, do you, what kind of things are, are on your mind these days? Well, Matt, I did listen to your podcast and it was enjoyable and got me fired up. Um, <laughs> the uh, you know you played on you know Welsh's staffs and you know looking back at me, that's that's the last time we had continued success for quite a while. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you know, you saw some all this coaching staff with Broncos seems to be on the same page. Um, and I think we can all agree. We didn't see a whole lot of that with the last staff and even not grows early staffs. Cause I think they were pretty much on the same page, but later as he started to replace guys, we started to see that fracture. Um, is there anything else that you know, you saw when coach Welsh was here that has been missing the last couple of years? Um, you know, that you're getting the hint might be coming back. Ah, that's a great question. I, I do see the the overall physicality and intensity return. Um, it was here when Grove was here. It was here in spots with, with Coach London. But it, like you said, it takes a cohesive coaching staff to bring that out of your players because you may see it with like a triangle of players, like a Quinn Blandon or Anthony Harris. And then you had Eli Harold. You had, uh, you know, guys like that, Max Vallis, who would be high-intensity guys. And it seemed like it went trickle down. When I played yeah. Anthony Poindexter, Wally Rayner, Antoine Womack, Patrick Kearney, you name everybody on our team, they had that that edge, that 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 jerk edge that they're going to push the envelope. And mm-hmm. Bronco teaches them to push the envelope from whistle to whistle or mm-hmm. one second after the whistle because his teams have been called dirty. When we played BYU, <laughs> I remember people thought that they were dirty, but you played one second past the whistle because you can't assume that something is going to happen. And right. I just love what he does, man. Everything's organized chaos. Like, he, he, he doesn't script out his whole practice. You know, he would just throw a drill at a player and see how they react because that's how a sudden change is for an interception or a fumble or a block kick. How will you respond to something changing, that adversity? So I love it that he implements that right now in the spring because you want to see how guys respond early and then you can adapt later. Well, you made a, you made a good point, too, on your show that, um, you know, the idea that a player who takes part in practice by, by practice eight, nine or 10, like you've gotten it, you, you understand what's coming, you know, yep. All right, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this and this. The fact that he's he's changing it on the fly, it challenges them in a very different way. And probably, honestly, they've not been challenged like that their entire football career. They were probably exactly. challenged like that, you know, earlier in their career at, in college. And they probably, I would say, certainly weren't challenged like that in high school. So asking them to do 
to be able to have that recall and to do it, like you said, on the you know on the snap, like on the blink of an eye. Like I think that in of itself is is a is a hell of a way to prepare. Uh, but you're right, it, it, this dude. There's something about like his. He's got this weird like it's like an intensity, but it's also it's like it, it it's I don't it's almost like you, you hear you hear like um, um, sports commentators say like so and so had like a quiet forty eight points or something right mm-hmm. like you're not yeah. really sure how it's possible this dude has this like intensity but it's quiet and yet it's, it's quiet. never not yeah. there you know what I mean like and 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 it kind of translates into really everything he does like he as quiet as kind of closed off as they are. Um, you know, in terms of maybe the information that kind of gets out. At the same time, they are probably one of, if not, you know, the, maybe the maybe the ACC's most like energetic group when it comes to social media, and they're very they're very precise about how they do everything. You know mm-hmm. what what gets out there and what doesn't. You know what what they do uh, in practice and that kind of thing. Um, I, I think for me, beyond the buy-in of the players and, and the fact that the Broncos responded really well to. To, you know, he's talked about them positively in ways that I just honestly I didn't expect. You know, I expected <laughs> him to. He just doesn't seem like the kind of rah, he's not a rah rah guy. He's not the kind who just comes out publicly and, and says nice stuff about you so you feel good about yourself. Like his, his he only will say nice stuff about you if you earned it. I mean, the guy exactly. you know it's all about earned with him. Um, but I think beyond that, the thing that's that's kind of surprised me the most has been just the the kind of uh, the steady sort of way that they're building this thing and that they are ahead of schedule. Um, I know Bronco doesn't want to talk too much about that because he doesn't want to put that expectation on guys yet, but they are. They are they're ahead of schedule. And I think that's gonna that's gonna be interesting to see during the spring game, but it's especially going to be interesting to see uh, by the time, you know, we get to fall camp. Um, Dave, what else what else you got over there? Yeah, I mean Amai, you've been around football for a while now. Um, I'm a lot older than you, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not a lot older than you. But older. Um yeah, one thing we mentioned on, well, I mentioned on, another, on an earlier podcast was, you know, you, normally when you see these new coaching staffs take over a job, you know, we all know where Virginia can be, but nationally, the perception of Virginia as a football program right now isn't very good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, but, you know, normally when a coach takes over a job like that, you'll see him start to temper expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been surprised? I mean, you've, I'm sure you've seen most of Broncos um, talks with the media. He doesn't seem to be leaving himself any wiggle room that he has excuses for not winning right now. Um, and I mean, I'm just curious, is it, you know, you, with your experience in football, do you feel like it's something he's doing just to motivate the guys on his team or having been around them a little more than, than any of the three of us have, do you think he really thinks there's enough talent here to, to turn this thing around quickly? Bronco feels like he was at BYU where he couldn't get the pick of the litter. He had to mm-hmm. take special situational guys to mm. play at that university. So he's like a kid in the candy store right now. But I will say this, with his pillars and his, and his principles, he has a foundation on winning. This guy's been the winner. He's been the ultimate winner. I mean, 9 to 10 wins, going to bowl games, winning bowl games. So he has a blueprint of success that he believes in and has been successful. Um, I talked about in the podcast when he just put up how many points per game you need to average to win 85% of your game, and that was just 24. It blew my mind because I never thought of that. You know, here's a guy throwing analytics back at an analytical era when we always got advanced stats. Like, we love to look at advanced stats and anything to back up our case or to fit our narrative, and he has one, and he takes it a step further with just 
field position, just having plus five versus your opponent, now your percentages of winning elevates to 90%. Just five additional yards closer to your end, to, to your target end zone versus your opponent, and you have a 90% chance of winning. So he has a lot of data to back up his beliefs, and I think that's why he's so gung-ho, because he's been very successful. He doesn't know anything else but success. And that's how you know, as a program, we've been missing it, because we want to be cautious and super humble, because we've been, that's how you know we've been losing. So I just respect that, the heck out what he's doing, man. I love it. Yeah, interesting aside on that field position thing. After I listened to your podcast, I went and dug up last year for Virginia. Uh-huh. Um, UVA, there's only three games they didn't lose the field field position battle in. So, you know, as you know, they you know they yeah, lost, lost the turnover battle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they they had Duke and Virginia both that game, uh, which Virginia won. They both started the 31 yard line, but Virginia won the turnover battle uh, and yeah. won the game. Georgia Tech, we. Uh, Virginia had a seven plus seven and won the game. Uh, and then Louisville, we were plus nine, but lost. And that was the outlier. And then the, what was it? The Syracuse and the William and Mary game, two games we should have won easily that we didn't. We lost the field position battle. Um, so, you know, exactly what he was talking about. I mean, last year played that out. Yeah, simple. Just win that, man. <laughs> just win it, man. I mean, it's just, it's just things like that that he discusses with his team, um, and he has something for them every day. He has like a basically a power a PowerPoint presentation, mostly every team meeting. So he's teaching these guys. Yeah, he's giving them a, 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 a blueprint for success. You know, a lot of times you hear about, um, you see all these stories about people losing money, and you have some guys who can lose money, gain it back, lose money, gain it back. It's because they basically had a foundation of uh-huh. how to generate that revenue. So right. he's basically giving these kids a foundation of how to be successful in life in general through hard work, dedication, and also being a student. And, I mean, he's earned the respect of these guys, and he continues to try to earn the respect of the alum. I mean, even though I love him to death, when we talk, he says, I'm still trying to earn your respect. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to genuinely earn it. Yeah. And that's, and that's I think, too <sighs> – I don't want to get too like um, too big picture on this, but like I really do think that coaches who 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 expect the expect what he expects from his players on a regular basis, coaches who who do that, you know, the, the, very similar in my mind to to the way Tony Bennett approaches his basketball program, mm-hmm. you know, that for for him it's not it's not that he that he doesn't consider you family or he doesn't want to be a you know nice to you. That's not. I think Tony's probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. The problem is, is that there's a competitive side of him uh, who firmly believes that if you are not competitive, if you are not doing everything you can, um, if you're not spending that energy to get better, then, then you're falling behind. And I think Bronco would, you know, his, his methodology and and kind of the way he, he talks a lot about organization. He talks about a lot about efficiency and that's, that's what he means. I mean, he, 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 he studies this stuff. I mean, he's not, He's not a coach who just you know grabs his whistle and runs out to the field. I mean, he knows uh, the ins and outs of what it is he wants to do and what he wants to to achieve. Um, I, I was kind of you know surprised when he when he was talking about the you know the number of points and how many points you score versus how many points you give up and then turnover. Yeah. Like he's it it it's not we don't think of it, but in some ways it is very much like a science. And he's not he's not the kind of coach who's going to get 
you know, who's going to fall in love with the analytics and the numbers and, and just totally lose sight of it. But he is he, he has a nice balance between uh, using the data to drive what he does, but then also using his eyes to make decisions on whether it's working. And I, I really like I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think I've been um, this pleased with a hire in a very long time. Um, <laughs> it, it just it just fits on a number of levels. And then hearing the guys, you Ahmad, you mentioned it before, hearing guys talk about you know, um, whether it was Bronco during press conferences, I know Justin Anderson, the player personnel um, director who was quoted in a story in the Roanoke Times. And I also talked to him for a, a story for the Cavalier Corner magazine. Like hearing these guys talk about just how free they feel now to be able to recruit without the the faith based component of uh, what they were working with before. It's no yeah. wonder that their you know offers fly out. It's no wonder like they know. I, it's almost like it's almost like because uh, because they were almost trained to to be able to find exactly what it was they were looking for. Well, now they have all of these other options. All of these kids that they can finally recruit who who have everything they're looking for. You know that in and of itself, I think, will be interesting to watch over the next couple of years. People, you know, people were all were worried when when Broncos' name, you know, was was released as the as the next head coach. People were worried. You're like, oh, you know, he's never coached on these coasts. How's he going to recruit yes. over here? <laughs> and I, I, Dave made a great point to me the other day. He sent me a text. And he said, "So Broncos' three commitments in 2017 so far are a four former four star offensive lineman who can play right away, an in state three three star defensive tackle, uh, and uh, and a and a UVA legacy." Um, yeah. Like if those aren't the three areas, right? You wanted guys in the trenches, guys in state, you know, uh, legacy recruits. Because let's be honest, if Coach London had had pulled maybe seventy five percent of the legacy kids he missed out on, we probably don't have Bronco Mendenhall as the coach that we're talking about today. Yeah. You know, I mean that's the reality. I mean think about how many legacy kids have come up and gone, especially on the offensive line. Um, I can think of two just right off the top of my head that would have made a dramatic impact on things. Um, so in, in essence, to me, the higher fits, it certainly seems like what they're doing fits. The kids are certainly bought in. Um, and I think that's you know probably the, um, the biggest, uh, biggest thing. I want to ask you one more thing, Ballhawk, before we wrap up and head to uh, the questions portion of our, of our podcast. Um, you're a guy from who 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 played in state, who comes from obviously the seven five. What do you think of um, of Bronco recruiting in that area? Um, it, you've seen him around the kids, and, and obviously you've interacted with him on a on a regular basis. Uh, is that something that? Because to me, it's not. I don't think it's something you need to be afraid of. We we talk to kids like you know Jordan Williams is a four star defensive defensive end from Virginia Beach, and he raves about this staff. Um, matter of fact, I would almost venture to say Virginia might be the leader for him. But what do you think about him recruiting in that area of the state? What what what, what are your what's your what's your your tea leaves telling you on, on on what folks can expect from Bronco down there? I think Bronco, uh, Coach Mendenhall is going to definitely use uh, Marcus Hagen as an instrument to gain the trust of the coaches in the seven five seven. I mean, understand he has to learn the area and he has to earn the trust of those coaches. So, um, like I said, here's a guy who was limited in his recruiting. So he's going to have no fear. Um, he's a smart guy. He's very intellectual and he knows how to talk to people. So um, I think he's going to let the product do the most recruiting as far as, you know, that area more than his mouthpiece. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I like about him. He, he rather let the, the play speak for itself and let kids get more interested 
and UVA football again. All right. Cool. I want to get to uh, just a few questions before we wrap up here. Um, first was a question about basketball. Uh, what's your prediction on whether any of the incoming freshmen will redshirt next year? Uh, I will go on a limb and say I think um, Jay Huff – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Jay Huff likely to, to redshirt, I think, simply just from a from a size standpoint, I think it gives him an opportunity to, to, to kind of – Work with Mike Curtis for a year and and prepare himself, but also too, I don't I don't see minutes for him. Ty Jerome is the is the question mark for me. Um, he's coming off hip surgery. I, I know he he feels better. Uh, um, I think going forward than he did even before the surgery. So I think he's in a in a very different place physically. Um, it, this is one of those things that once it gets fixed, it's usually fixed. So I, I think he's in a good spot, but at the same time, there is no real rush. For him, so where he is by the time you know he arrives on grounds, that's the question. But I think at this point, um, that's that's kind of the the way that'll go. Uh, any indication from the staff um, who they think could have immediate playing time uh, in the fall? Uh, any any freshmen participating now they see as possible starters? Um, I will say that Trey Harbison is a kid, and, and I haven't had a chance to watch practice yet, but just in talking to. Um, um, Coach Anderson about him. Um, he is a guy who really fits what BYU did. You know, bigger backs, mm-hmm. um, and so it wouldn't surprise me honestly if if he was a guy who who got some burn. Um, remember though, the Bronco is not a redshirt everybody at all costs. He actually is almost the opposite. He wants everybody yeah. to be ready to play, and so we have to. I don't want to say we have to stop thinking about redshirting. But I do think we need to stop thinking about freshmen and immediate impact. What you really need to think about is who can help the team because yep. that's the way the Broncos are going to look at it. I mean, his, his, his is about efficiency. I don't think, uh, I don't think the, the scars of the past when it comes to <laughs> coaches playing kids for like seven snaps, I don't think you need to be worried about that anymore. I think if Bronco decides to play a guy, he's going he's gonna to be part of a plan. Now, if a kid gets you know banged up or injured or, or whatever, and it's not a season-ending th- ending thing, but it does slow him down, you know that's unfortunate. But that's just that's just football, I man. That's just the way it works. So I do think that you're going to see a couple of, of freshmen play some meaningful roles. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised, even considering Virginia's depth, if Harbison plays his way up there, simply because he fits a lot of what they do. Now that being said, Bronco has said that that's the that's the deepest position they have, so he might not see he might not play. But I don't think that you're gonna um, you're gonna probably keep him off the field too much. The other kid that I would say is Joe Reed. Um, size, speed, athleticism. Um, had he not gone, had he gone to a bigger high school, had he not had to play quarterback as a senior instead of wide receiver because his school just didn't have a quarterback, um, probably would have gotten a lot more interest. Virginia might have had a hard time holding on to him. Ultimately, though, I think he he's he he's the kind of guy personality wise and. In terms of his football skill set, he's going to walk out there and play. Um, Virginia not very deep at receiver. Um, certainly going to have with a high, uh, you know, an up tempo offense in the spread. I think you're going to see them play a lot of guys if they can. So I think he's a guy. He's the one player in the class, maybe even more so um, than Hasis Dubois, um, who I could really see playing a lot. And Joe Reed, I, I really think is going to be an All ACC kid before it's all over with. Um, last question was also about football. Bronco made a point recently to mention that he really liked Matt Johns and Connor Brewer. Do you think Brewer actually fits the system a little better than Matt, and could we see him start over? I, I don't know. That that's almost. I think that one's almost impossible to answer without a significant amount of snaps to watch. Um, I, I was 
not real impressed with with Brewer. I, I wasn't shy about that at the time last year. But obviously, one, this is a different system, and two, he's he's been in it longer than than two weeks, which is kind of the situation he was dealing with last fall. Um, in some ways, I can see how Brewer fits, but I also think Matt is maybe Matt's not a true dual threat, but he's he can he can keep plays alive with his legs. And I think when you're asking him to do what I think this staff is going to ask him to do, it it does fit him in a variety of ways. You know, he's not. He's not a big physical guy who's going to punish tacklers, but he is he is a guy who can buy you some time and is comfortable doing that. He's comfortable throwing on the run. He doesn't have to be, you know, in a little bubble in order to 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 make the offense work. So, um, I don't foresee right now Brewer overtaking Matt. One because I think Matt does fit the system, but then two, his leadership. You know, in I mean, stories about him going to Coach Beck's office and just watching film. You know, well, you know that kind of little the little things with him. Um, he's not going to be beat on, um, so I think that's a uh, you know that's a significant piece of the pie is his leadership uh, of the team. Now, what happens after him? That one, that's a now that's a question. Um, that's that's a that's a real question, and um, how Virginia goes forward with that. They'll have two two interesting options coming this year um, in, in Sonny Abramson and, and Devontae Cross. Very different guys, um, but it'll be interesting to see where they are uh, a fall from now. Um, I think uh, think that about wraps it up, Justin Ferber. I really appreciate all your contributions uh, <laughs> oh, to, man, I to the it. podcast. I mean, you, <laughs> I can't. You're going to sleep so easy tonight. You worked so hard uh, in the last 30 minutes to to really get get your your points across. But um, but anyway, Ahmad, man, I really appreciate got an exclusive. Like, <laughs> <for this. laughs> uh, Ahmad, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Tell the people where they can find you on on Twitter and 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 you know plug your podcast, man. Uh, Twitter Twitter handle is I am Ballhawk. Um, look me up on Facebook, just Ahmad Hawkins. Uh, if you have, if you're an iPhone user, you can look up the Ball Hawk Show podcast on iTunes. Android users on Podbean, and that web address is iamballhawk.podbean.com. Good deal. Well, I uh, appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate everybody out there for uh, for giving us a listen. Um, so let. I guess uh, we will. We'll, we'll try to have you on from time to time, man. You, you uh, yeah, man. I, I, I like, I like the the insight you provide. And you certainly don't. You're not shy about answering questions, so I appreciate that. Nah, never. Um, <laughs> Coach <laughs> taught me that. Speak your mind. I was gonna <laughs> be scared. <laughs> I was gonna say if, if we we can't let you into podcasts without the Welsh impression, which is is a is a favorite of mine. What was it? They say he was cold this weekend. Oh, he was crisis cold out here. Why are we standing here? Close the door. <laughs> the building's I'm got a name here. on it. For I don't God's get paid sake. to do this anymore. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, make, be sure to check out him on the Virginia Sports TV clip. He was the star of that one too. Oh, uh, was he? I didn't see that one. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even realize I was going to be the star. Of that. He they just asked me to to interview, and I started getting tweets saying, "Hey, man, um, you all over." All over the, the update, updated video. I'm like, what video? Like, oh, wow. I got to check that out. Well, look, man, appreciate you being on the show. Uh, actually, uh, I know that um, we're, we've been talking about, you know, having some, some more guests on this spring. So we'll, we'll probably bring you back uh, after the spring game. But let's wrap it up there for David Spence, for Justin Ferber, and for Ahmad Hawkins. I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.